on episode 535 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we bring back Dr. Robert Davis and discuss his book, Fitter Faster, the smart way to get in shape in just minutes a day. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 535. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey, all right? Let's go. Overwhelmed, backsliding, stuck, frustrated. These are just a few words my new clients tell me they were experiencing before we started working together. How about you? Do you find there's not enough day in the day? That even when things are good, you find yourself stuck, sliding backwards and frustrated, like you're running in deep sand and getting nowhere. I get it. Running four businesses, some days I don't know which way is up. But about 10 years ago, I managed to crack the code and it changed my life. Since then, I've gone on to help hundreds of people do a 180 and find a way to lose weight, get fit, and feel younger than they have in years. I wish it was as simple as reading a book or listening to a podcast, but each of us has a unique path with our own challenges and opportunities. You have to find your answer because it's different than mine. Even so, there's a simple way to solve it to crack the code to your health and fitness. It's right here now. If you'll come on this journey with me, I'm reopening my online training with a six-week program designed to walk you step-by-step to a healthier, fitter you. You can learn more at BeFitForTask.com. With a 100% money-back guarantee, I'll work with you to lose eight to 10 pounds in that six weeks as we start you down the path to being fit for task, go to befitfortask.com. So what's it going to be? Do you go on with this episode of the podcast and the rest of your day? In six weeks, six months, six years, where are you going to be? Change, at least the good kind, doesn't happen on its own. You have to make change in your life. Are you going to make change? To be fit for task to lose weight, to get more fit, to be who you are meant to be. Go to BeFitForTask.com and take action now. Hey, Raz, how are things? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing all right. A little waterlogged. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got about two feet of rain in the last three days. Oh, my gosh. That's and it, it happened during what's supposed to be one of our driest months. March, March is one was supposed to be one of our dry months. In fact, oh. the first year we moved here in March, we had three-week drought, and they ran out of water on this island. Oh they had to truck water in from the mainland for us. Um, and then, yeah, in, in December of that year, we had 
probably one of the worst rains they'd ever talked about. And they flooded the streets and flooded everything. Um, I think the rain we got this time was even worse than what happened back in December. We literally wow. got two feet of rain in three days. Oh my uh, gosh. We were in the middle of roofing, re-roofing Lula's. Mm. So we're investing in this, uh, this uh, plastic uh, PVC roof because we had a tin roof and it was rusting through and we were getting leaks. Mm. Well, we got leaks. So we had guests with leaks in the rooms, <laughs> leaks oh, over no. their bed, this and that. So it was, oh. it was a little bit of a challenge there. And I had leaks at the gym. So, um, you know, we had uh, this strip here and, and I, I kind of knew it probably would leak, but I thought our guys had done enough to, to kind of help it from not happening. But I just think the volume of water that was, I mean, literally it, I mean, when we say buckets, that's, that's, that doesn't even really describe it. It was, My it was gosh. the hardest rain I've ever experienced. Um, I've been here for over three years, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, it was more than buckets. <laughs> it was, wow. it was wild. My goodness. I can't imagine. Yeah. So we're a little waterlogged. Uh, my, a lot of the papers and things that were on my, cause it, it just happened to leak right over my desk. Oh no. Oh no. Oh my goodness. So it was a good thing. I didn't, I don't keep a computer just sitting on the desk here because it probably would have got ruined, but um, everything's kind of right now starting to have a little bit of an orange hue to it. Uh, Everything metal that is uh, (laughs) a bit of water and uh, humidity, but uh, hopefully another day or two will dry out and they'll they'll figure out what my problem is on this roof. But yeah, the roofers are back at Lula's. So they know to kind of probably do a little bit of work there and um, like two or three more days, uh, touch wood, we'll we'll have, um, we'll have our roof at Lula's redone and hopefully my landlord here, I'll be able to do something. So next time we get a heavy rain, I don't have to, um, move everything out of the way and have buckets across the floor. No kidding. My goodness. Well, my fingers are crossed for you. So you had a race. I did. And you did a lot better than five hours. I did. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Last weekend we were in St. Louis for the St. Louis marathon and it was my husband's first official marathon, although he's done an ultra before. So it's kind of skipped a step, but he ran very well. And I also ran very well and secured a new PR at the ripe age of 50. So I'm quite excited to have a new PR of four hours and 38 minutes. And it was just a great day. It was a beautiful day to run. And I had a fantastic trainer who made me even stronger and more confident as a runner. And I did what I did, set a PR. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful time. I could not be happier. And, and, and the, the kind of the takeaway from this is if you, you set something in your mind mm-hmm. and you make the investment and the investment mm-hmm. was time, effort, um, patience. Very much. And, and, and money because you did hire a trainer, but the trainer yes. was telling you to do things that were mm-hmm. like counter to what Rachel was saying in traditionally your head. Yes. yeah it's like no i gotta run more not less yep. i've got to run mm-hmm. harder not slow. i gotta run fa- slower not faster she yeah. she was challenging you to get outside your comfort zone and do some yes. things and you did and mm-hmm. the results speak for themselves very much so yep yep very much i had a great 16 weeks of training with her and the different um 
types of running that we did throughout the training period were a little different for me. Usually I run um, for different goals and different reasons. And you're right, this was definitely out of my comfort zone. And it was a very strong training cycle. So, and it showed on race day. Good. Congratulations yeah. again. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we have Dr. Robert Davis back on the show. You know, he did the Supersized Lies book. And uh, now we're going to go, he's done a review of his book, um, Fitter Faster. So you ready to have that conversation? Sure. Our guest today is known as the Healthy Skeptic. He is an award-winning health journalist whose work has appeared on CNN, PBS, WebMD, and the Wall Street Journal. The author of four books on health, he hosts the Healthy Skeptic video series, which dissects the science behind popular health claims. With no further ado, here's Dr. Robert Davis. Dr. Davis, welcome back to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you, Alan. Great to be with you again. You know, I, I love seeing a book from an author who wrote a book that I love, and your lies uh, book, I, I can't remember the exact title of it. Supersized uh, Lies. Supersized Lies, and it was about weight loss and, and all the lies were told about that. It's a great book. Um, I recommend everybody get a copy of that too. But today we're going to talk about your book, Fitter Faster, the smart way to get in shape in just minutes a day. And one of the things that's really cool about this is that this is not the first time this book has been out. You're actually updating it, meaning you've learned a few new things, uh, a few new tricks, a few new things we can do uh, to get fitter faster. Um, and, you know, you, you've, you've touched on maybe the number one problem that most people will say. It's like, well, of course, my doctor tells me to eat better and exercise more, but you know, working my working day, by the time I get home, I get dinner, get everything settled, when? When am I supposed to do this? And the getting it done in minutes a day is true because I, as I went through uh, your Fitter Faster program, uh, those workouts, almost every single one of them is probably less than 20 minutes. I mean, you need some warm up time for these, obviously, and some cool down time stretching and things like that. But literally, if you can dedicate 20 minutes to your health and fitness each day, six days a week, um, this program is excellent. Well, thank you. And you're absolutely right. It, it, that is the number one reason people say they don't exercise, can't exercise consistently is because they don't have enough time. And the idea is that we wanted to help people overcome that barrier in addition to other barriers, and there, we can talk about those, but um, the, the number one barrier being a lack of time, and to do that by coming up with ways to exercise that are more time efficient. So to use certain techniques that can allow you to get just as much, if not greater benefits, in less time. And that's really the key so that people can, when they have only 10 minutes or 15 minutes, uh, can still get in and work at it. Because you know, often people say, well, I only have 10 minutes, I only have a few minutes, forget, the, forget it, because I don't have enough time. And so we, we try to eliminate that as an excuse. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about this is you're not just giving them shorter workouts and saying, okay, just do these shorter workouts and they're going to work. This is science-based. You, you have, you didn't just go and say, okay, how can I give them this, this easy, easy button? Uh, you look back at the science and said, what does science tell us is something that we can do that's going to give us the benefits at the kind of the minimum dose. 
Exactly. And, it, and, and readers will see I have hundreds of footnotes in the back of the book. And I, I don't I, I hope it didn't come across as a textbook. I tried really hard so that it did not. It was very user friendly. But for people that want to know about the science, want to delve into it more and to see that what, as you say, we're recommending is based entirely on the latest science. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that people knew that those references were there um, for that reason. Well, even though I geek out, on a lot of this stuff, obviously, uh, I can tell you it's not a textbook. It's very well written. It's very easy read. Uh, and you know, we even talked about it before we got on the call. The workouts themselves and the demonstrations uh, that you have in there, the pictures. Uh, I know how hard that is. Uh, I've seen a lot of books, a lot of workouts uh, printed. Uh, it's among the best I've ever seen. So uh, this is a good book if you're if you're short of time and you want to get something done. But we're going to spend some time today talking about first why, um, you know, why would I want to sweat? Because you know that's uncomfortable. I can sit in my air conditioner and I can, you know, do this. Let's have some conversations. Let's have some phone calls. Let's watch some Netflix or do something else. In the book, you go through what you call the big six benefits. Can we can we go through those big six because I think they're really really important. Obviously, uh, as a personal trainer, I would, but they are, and and you go into the science in each and every one of these of why exercise gives us this benefit. Sure, and let me say first, Alan. You know, I like to say that if there were a pill that could do everything that exercise could do, we'd all be clamoring for it. And it's and we can talk about these big six, and there are others as well. And so the list is really very long of all the benefits that exercise has. I really believe it's the closest thing we have to a fountain of youth, and yet it's a shame that so few people take full advantage of it. So. Uh, we it, it, with with that in mind, I can we can go through as I say was as you said what I call the big six. So the first one is simply the research shows that uh, exercising regularly, regular physical activity helps people live longer. And not only does it help people live longer, but it helps people live healthier. So that there's what's in many cases what's so called compression of morbidity, which means that the time uh, that we have uh, debilitating conditions is condensed typically toward the uh, last few years or the end of life. So there are fewer years of uh, disability. And, and so uh, you could might say that it adds uh, years to your life, but life to your years as well. Um, so that's a, that's a key point there. Um, also, we hear about this all the time. Uh, regular exercise reduces the risk of heart disease. That's something many people are familiar with, less risk of heart attacks and cardiovascular disease, lower risk of certain kinds of cancer. That includes colon cancer, breast cancer, um, and boosts your brain power. What, what that means is there's a lower risk of dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and those who exercise regularly. Also, people who uh, do, are not affected by dementia just have clearer thinking often, better memory, uh, That who often experience that. People experience that often who regular, uh, regularly exercise. Uh, mood is another area of uh, important area. Uh, there's uh, lower risk of depression among those who exercise regularly. And among those who have uh, symptoms of depression, um, exercise can often help improve those symptoms. Um, and then finally, what I like to call uh, fending off feebleness. You know, as we get older, we have uh, various conditions that can make it harder to do everyday tasks. So uh, we, we have uh, bones tend to become less strong, osteoporosis, uh, arthritis, uh, we lose muscle mass as we get older, and so regular exercise can help all of those things, uh, and particularly muscle mass as we get as we lose all lose muscle mass as we get older. And what that means is that people often, as they get older, have trouble doing everyday activities, getting up and down from a chair, walking up and down steps, 
doing doing simple things. And so this impairs their quality of life. And by helping to preserve muscle mass, particularly exercise can help us live fuller, more active lives longer. You know, the, the interesting thing is, and I think every one of us, if we just sat down, we're, we're all in our 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe even more. But as we sit down, and we start thinking about this. It's like, well, of course, I want to live longer, but I want to live better. Um, and every one of these benefits, if you really think about it, what's the number one killer of men and women in the United States, it's heart disease. What's number two, and maybe even scarier is cancer. And so there's evidence to support the fact that this is going to make us not just fitter. So what we're capable of physically doing, um, it's going to make us uh, live longer and live better. Um, and so I think those are huge and, and they're, they're really big. Now you go into to many more, as you mentioned, I, I think I could sit down and probably come up with a list of a hundred things that, that exercise does for you, uh, every day if, and for the rest of your life. But there's one surprising one that's missing from your list. Uh, and it's probably the main reason people walk into a gym in the first place, uh, and see all those treadmills sitting there is most people believe that they need to exercise to lose weight. But weight loss is not one of the benefits that you list in either your big six or your surprising seven. Yeah, and people find that surprising that weight's not there. And as you say, Alan, people, that's often the number one reason people uh, start an exercise program or look to exercise to help them. And that's unfortunate because uh, helping you shed pounds is the one thing of all the things <laughs> we've talked about and the other things exercise can do. It's the one thing that it doesn't do so well. And the reason is fairly simple. And that is the kind of exercise that most of us do that is going for a brisk walk, taking a yoga class, riding a bike, all of which are fantastic for your health, have all the other benefits we've talked about and people should absolutely do. They don't typically burn that many calories. And so what that means is that you're going to get a much bigger bang for your buck if you focus on your diet. Uh, changing your diet when it comes to your weight rather than exercising. Now, that said, there are benefits related to weight um, that come from exercise. For example, exercise, may, while it may not be so great at helping you actually shed pounds, it has been shown to be effective at helping you keep weight off. So once you lose weight or in the maintenance phase, help trying to keep that weight off, exercise is very important for that. It's also important for helping you to avoid gaining weight in the first place. So there is good evidence for that. Also, evidence, there is evidence uh, that exercise can change your body composition. So it uh, can reduce uh, body fat, particularly visceral fat. That's the kind of fat around the waist that's often associated with uh, negative health effects. So while it can have weight-related benefits, it often does not have the benefit that we look to the most, which is just to help us shed pounds. And I think it's important that when people go into an exercise program that they're fully aware of that, that their expectations are managed, because too often, I think, people go in, they start a program, they say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to lose weight. They don't lose weight, and then what happens? They give up on exercise. And so they say, well, it's not working the way I intended, so I'm not going to keep exercising. And that's a shame because, as we say, it has all these other benefits. And I think it's important to reframe exercise, not as a weight loss tool, but as something to enhance our lives and to improve the quality of our lives. And I think if we do that, then people are less likely to give up on exercise the way they do if they see it as simply as a weight loss tool. Yeah. You know, one of the things I like to say is weight loss tends to be a side effect of getting healthy and fit. So if you're, if you're doing the right things physically, uh, you're putting information in your body. So movement to me, any kind of exercise that you do is a form of communication. Uh, you're telling your body, I need to get stronger. I need my bones to be more dense. 
Um, I need the capacity to be able to run a little faster, or run a little further. So I'm building stamina. And, and through that process, then your body says, okay, well, we're viable, healthy human being here. Um, maybe this body weight doesn't need to be here. And so our hormones start acting the right way. Uh, our body, we start sleeping better. <laughs> our stress management is better. All those surprising seven stuff that's in there that I encourage you to get the book. And, and so all of a sudden, yeah, you do start losing weight. But if you focus on weight, often that does derail you because you, you might be putting on muscle mass. Um, right. You do a, a particularly hard workout, um, your body water, the amount of water your muscles carrying, your body's carrying might vary. Uh, and you very well could put on weight uh, that's water weight. And so, you know, weight itself is measuring one element of about four uh, to include, you know, your, your actual muscle, your bone, uh, the water in your body and fat. Um, and so if you <laughs> want to lose weight, you know, there's easier ways to do it, uh, cut off a limb or something, but <laughs> exercise is not, is not specifically for weight loss. The diet is going to do a much better deal there. But I think the way the exercise is very important. As you mentioned, one, it helps you keep it off. Uh, you've got more bone, uh, you've got more muscle mass, uh, your resting metabolism is going to be a little higher, not much, but a little. Uh, which, which says a lot annual hormone profile, your sleep, your stress, everything is going to be telling your body, you don't need to accumulate fat. You're, you're in a good place. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now for many of us, okay. You can say, Hey, you can live longer. Uh, we can, uh, we can boost your brain power, which, uh, I think a lot of us would, would love that we, we don't forget our key where we put our keys is often, uh, which is <laughs> kind of a plus 40 thing. Um, but there's, there's, there's the motivation of that that comes around. And then there's the other things that go on around us. Someone kind of cheering us on or, you know, a friend that's working out with us. Uh, and, and those, those levels of motivation the things that push us to do things are really, really important. Um, some are more valuable than others. Some come from within and some without, we call them intrinsic and extrinsic motivation factors. Can you talk a little bit about motivation where it comes from and what those two elements are really are internal, external, intrinsic, extrinsic, and how we want to use those to make sure we can get better faster. Sure. Well, um, you know, extrinsic, you mentioned motivation means motivation from the outside. And this is the kind of motivation that's particularly important as you get started, because if you're just starting a, a, an exercise regimen, it's, it, it often is tough and it's, it's tough to sort of get in the habit of doing it, to keep doing it. We all know that. So certain things can help this kind of extrinsic motivation. Um, one is uh, trying to make it more enjoyable. So, for example, listening to music or save if you're exercising indoors, saving a favorite TV show or on Netflix or whatever it is. So that it's something you look forward to to doing uh, teaming up with a friend, joining a class, things like that that can 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 essentially make it more enjoyable and give you more motivation to do it. Um, Interestingly, money is a motivator for some people. You know, they, I talk about how that is a motivation for people. And there's studies that have been done and people are given money um, that particularly at the beginning can help them uh, exercise to continue their exercise program. Um, rewarding yourself with something like a vacation or a concert or a massage, something you enjoy and saying, if I reach a certain goal, then I'll do this. By the way, which shouldn't be food. So if you're trying to lose weight, <laughs> that can be counterproductive. But something, some activity you enjoy as a reward, that's another example of extrinsic motivation to sort of external motivation to help you keep going. 
Um, so those kinds of things can be very helpful, particularly, as I say, as you get started. But over time, what we want and what happens to many of us, I know it's happened to me over time, wasn't this way at the beginning, but it is now, is that you shift to intrinsic motivation, meaning you exercise not because of ex- some external reason, but because something inside of you just wants to do it. And, and, and I think the way we, at least I've arrived at that and tell other people they can, is instead of focusing on a lot of these long-term benefits, and certainly they're fantastic, all the things we've talked about, lowering your risk of heart disease, cancer, and all the rest, but sometimes that's not enough to motivate you to go to the gym today, right? If you think about, I'm not going to have a heart attack in 20 or 30 years, uh, it's easy to stay on the couch. So the thing to focus on in that case is how am I going to feel right away, right after exercise? What is the immediate payoff? Think about that instant gratification. Does it mean that you're less stressed, that you feel better, that you feel uh, less anxiety, that you're better able to deal with a stressful job or screaming children, or you're going to sleep better tonight, or you just feel more empowered? Um, those kinds of immediate feelings that you get from exercise can be very, very motivating to help people keep going. And, and, it, and over time, you not and you don't feel that you have to go exercise. You feel that you want to because you have these benefits. And so that's an example of intrinsic motivation that we all sort of, I think, can can achieve over time, which is to say that exercise goes from something that you have to do to something you want to do because it's going to help you feel good. And I think that ultimately uh, is is what can motivate us to continue exercising for the long term. I know that's what's worked for me because now I I started off as a kid who never wanted to sweat, never wanted to get off the couch, who hated gym class. And over time, I started exercising in various ways. And now I can't imagine not having exercise as part of my life because of how I know how it makes me feel better. And I think that's not something we can't expect to cannot expect to have intrinsic motivation overnight. But over time, that's, I think, a very powerful force to get us on track to make exercise something that we continue to do. Yeah, the, the way I like to look at it is, um, for me, to, to really push myself. So to push myself past what I would call my baseline. So I have a baseline of fitness that I, I'll just do. You know, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, and, and to push myself past that. So let's say I want to do a little bit more. Um, I'll typically do something like sign up for a race. So I'm signed up for a tough mutter in August and it's going to be the, uh, the 15 K one with the obstacles. Yeah. There's some electricity and some mud and some water and some heights and some cold and, you know, a lot of uncomfortable things. Uh, I find that fun. I, I really enjoyed the time that it's not, I've done it before. So I'm really looking forward to a future event. Uh, but it's extrinsic. It's extrinsic knowing, okay, there's this event, this thing coming up. I have to kind of push myself to be ready for that uh, or not. I can just go in and suffer through it and probably still do it, but just not enjoy it. And then there's the intrinsic, which is the, I can't wait until Sunday. And the reason I can't wait until Sunday is that's my long day. And my long day means that I'm going to be walking from here and about mile four five, I start hitting the beaches of bluff here in Bocas and they are gorgeous. And I get deeper and deeper into the jungle. There's fewer and fewer people. I'm a huge introvert. So that opportunity to spend some hours by myself is a huge reward. Uh, It recharges my batteries like nothing else. When I can go an hour or so without seeing a human being (laughs) for me, that's brilliant. Uh, if I could go a day without talking, it, w- it would be 
brilliance, uh, I would love that. So just knowing myself, the intrinsic motivation of getting out there on the trail, and there's a part towards the end I'm just now getting because I'm starting to push my mileage up. Uh, I, I found a spot they call Jungle Highway now, um, and you're literally walking through the jungle. And there's there's no one. It's just you on a nice path walking through the jungle, the birds, the monkeys, all of it. Uh, it to me, that's a huge, huge opportunity that I look forward to. But it means that I'm I'm already at something like ten to twelve miles. So there's a there's an element of I have to push myself to earn that. If I want to see that jungle. If I want those birds and those monkeys, I've got to get past that four mile out and four mile back. So there's a, there's a push to get to the better parts, the, the, the next thing. And so if you can find those opportunities where you're going to enjoy what you're doing even more, uh, signing up at a gym that you really like, like it's got all the stuff you really enjoy for some of us, that's, that's wonderful. Having a home gym where you can just feel proud when you're sitting there in your basement, you know, or garage and just enjoying the heck out of yourself because this is my, my space. Um, those are just opportunities for you to bring that inside and, and really have some pride and some enjoyment in what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And as you say, I mean, that's, that works for you. And I think it's important for everybody to find, and it takes time sometimes what's going to, what's going to be motivating for you. Right. And it's going to be different for all of us, but to sort of give exercise and, and fitness enough of an opportunity to allow you to find that because it may not be readily apparent when you start, but over time you can see, okay, I can see these things in ways that I feel or things, aspects of my routine where I do feel really good and motivated and, 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 and uh, motivated to continue. So I think it's important to find what works for you. Yeah. Now we talked about weight loss a little bit. And, and as I said, I would say, probably 99% of the folks that walk in and, and want to talk to me about training them, their, their number one goal is weight loss. Um, we said, that's not going to necessarily happen in the gym, uh, but it's going to come from what you eat and your performance when you're working out is also hugely affected by what you eat. So in the book, you include eight eating rules. And these rules are designed to kind of help you on your fitness. So you're getting the nutrition your body needs you know, and making sure you're not just, uh, I guess, uh, following bro science. Cause again, there's, yeah. <laughs> you, didn't a lot of do bro bro, science. you didn't do bro science here. Um, can you, can you go through these eight eating rules? Because I think it's really important for someone to understand that when you start thinking of food as fuel and food as building materials, um, those two th primary things, there's other reasons we eat, but it, once you get on those two, uh, I think it makes the fitter faster program even better. Well, you know, and let me just say first, I think I, I went through these rules because so often, as you say, people hear around exercise, all kinds of different advice, you know, and often they come from gym rats, you know, eat a bunch of egg whites, uh, you know, drink chocolate milk after you work out, eat, eat a bunch or drink a bunch of Gatorade. The list goes on of things you're supposedly supposed to do if you're working out. And I think often these things are not only not effective, but they can actually derail people, particularly if they're trying to lose weight or other things by adding calories. So I, I, what I try to do is sort of issue some guidelines here. Now, granted, everybody's different. So part of it depends on what your goals are. So somebody who's, you know, a middle-aged woman is going to be different from a young man who's bodybuilding in terms of what their diet needs to be. And so, but, but nevertheless, here's some general, there's some general principles I tried to sort of lay down for people to keep in mind. Um, one is to get plenty of protein and to try to include protein at every meal. And 
you know, you hear about the importance of protein and building muscle, and it is important. Um, but to spread, but something sometimes people end up getting all their protein or most of their protein, for example, at dinner. And it's important, I think, to sort of spread that out and get some protein um, at every meal. Um, and that you know, protein sources are things like uh, poultry, eggs, da- dairy, beans, uh, soy. And, and then at the same time to go easy on the uh, processed meat, red meat. Um, uh, doesn't mean you have to never eat red meat, but it just it means to minimize that. So that's, that's obviously one macronutrient to focus on is the uh, protein. Number two would be the carbs. So here to go for complex carbohydrates rather than refined carbohydrates. So that means things like um, complex carbs would be fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and to try to minimize things like uh, chips, cookies, crackers, sweets, those kinds of things that are refined grains, white bread. The third thing, the third macronutrient, of course, fats. And here to go for the good fats, we all hear about the good fats, fatty fish, olive oil, nuts, seeds, avocado, things like that. And to um, and to, and to de-emphasize saturated fats and trans fats. So those are the three macros. To, that, that's what those are just, and we hear those principles. Those are principles that apply to healthy eating, but they apply also when we're trying to eat in an optimal way for exercise. Um, when it comes to hydration, um, water is your best bet. So you, we hear, as we say about sports drinks, Gatorade, replacing electrolytes. That may be important for um, athletes, for people that are exercising for very long periods, particularly in hot conditions. But for the vast majority of us, people going to the gym for an hour or going for a walk or going for a bike ride, it's not necessarily necessary to have a Gatorade or any kind of electrolytes to replace um, ones you've lost. So water is is your best bet there. Um, fad diets, you know, again, we hear these different diets. I talk about a lot about this in my previous book, Supersize Lies, and there's sort of all kinds of diets that people hear about when it comes to uh, related to, to weight training and to the gym. But I think generally the idea here is to just focus on healthful eating and forget about diets with a bunch of rules. Not only um, are they not sustainable over the long term, but in some cases they can actually cause harm. Um, when you're looking at ingredient lists, um, a general principle I like is that shorter is better on boxes, on food labels. And if it has a long list of unpronounceable ingredients, it's take it as a red flag. Yeah. I'm going to step in just. I'm going to step in just a second and say if it has no ingredient list. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably better off. Right. So you'll notice the tomatoes yeah. sitting on the sitting right. there uh, at the you know at the at the uh, farmers market. The you know the uh, chicken. If you want to buy chicken uh, from a butcher, particularly, uh, no 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 ingredients list. Um, doesn't need one. Uh, it's tomato. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the best is no. Best is zero ingredients, right? And so yeah. it has some ingredients. If on a box, shorter is better. So that's an excellent point. Um, and then uh, when it comes to related to this, so you have the nutrition label, right? But then you also have marketing claims on packages, things, we, we all kinds of marketing buzzwords we see, things like gluten-free, vitamin fortified, uh, organic, multigrain, all these words. And studies show these can often lead people to falsely conclude that a food is more healthful, it's better for them, um, when in fact it's not. And so generally to ignore all of these claims and to look just at that nutrition label, look at things like calories. Uh, protein, added sugars, uh, fiber, those are the things to look at into the, that ingredient list as opposed to all of these sort of marketing buzzwords that you often see on the front of the package to look beyond those. And then finally, foods that are often marketed for exercise, energy bars particularly, not to be fooled by this because, if again, if you look carefully at that label, you'll find that many energy bars 
have lots of calories and in some cases as much sugar as a candy bar. And yet people will eat these after they exercise and go, oh, well, this is good. I need to get this refuel after I exercise by eating an energy bar because it has protein or because it just seems like it's something that people who exercise should eat. And in fact, they can be eating unhealthy foods and adding a lot more calories to their diet more than they realize. So again, not, not to be fooled by these kind of, and in many cases, these are highly processed as well. So I think that um, to sort of look beyond, again, that kind of marketing around these so-called exercise friendly foods. The, the core for me is, is experiment with your nutrition. Uh, there's some basic rules that most of us can follow. Uh, these are intended to make your performance when you're working out sufficient so that you're recovering from your work, you're fueling properly, um, and you're getting the protein your body needs. You, you feel full, you feel satiated. Um, you're not overeating, um, uh, because again, if weight loss is part of your overall program, you, you still have to manage that part. Uh, but this is the, the knowing you're fueling, knowing what you're putting in your body is equally important. If you want to make sure that you're everything you need to be, to be able to do these programs. Right. Absolutely. Now your fitter faster program has a lot of variety. It's a six day on one day off kind of program. Uh, obviously, if someone is uh, needs to ease into this, then maybe they skip a day here and there as their body tells them. You talk about a lot of that. That's one another thing I really like about your book is you have a lot of asides, if you will, of the, this is DOMS and this is what this feels like and why you're having it. And this is this and this is what's going on. And so all of there's a lot of information in there that's put together in a way that, okay, here's a little bit of information to help you. But as someone's going into this, they're going to ease into these and get into this program. But the program itself has three levels. So regardless of whether you're a beginner all the way to advanced, uh, this is a program that's going to be able to work for you. Can you give us a little bit of insight into your program, how it's put together and what someone can expect? Sure. And, and along while, and we'll continue with that point you made about uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced. And it, because somebody could be uh, different levels for different types of exercise, right? So we have yeah. both cardio exercise as well as strength training. And so somebody might be intermediate or advanced when it comes to their cardio, but just starting with weight training so or, or strength training. So it's important to assess where you are. And we have tests and there are ways to assess self-assessments where you are with that. But yeah, so it includes, what we tried to do is to include the various elements of a well-rounded, a comprehensive exercise program. And those are aerobic conditioning, uh, strength training, and also flexibility. Because, you know, we hear for the, the official recommendations from the government are you should have at least five days a week, 30 minutes a day of cardio or aerobic exercise. You should have at least two days a week of strength training and then have some flexibility. And that's a lot. And so it's easy to see why people like, I can't do all that. That takes too much time. So what we've tried to do is to Combine all of those in a way, as we said earlier, that is more time efficient, but allows you to incorporate all those elements. So we have um, a couple of days a week of more traditional kinds of strength training, but we do it in a circuit. So as opposed to someone, so the way that many of us train, you do a set, you rest, you do another set, you rest, you go through a circuit. And we have people go through one circuit, which research shows can be very effective. Certainly two or three can be more effective, but that first one is the most important. So if all you have time for is one circuit, that's great. And so we have that. So a couple of days a week, you have a circuit uh, of just traditional strength training. Um, and, and also you go through it relatively rapidly. So there's some aerobic benefit there too, because you're going from one exercise to the, to the next pretty rapidly. 
One day a week, we have what's so-called HIT training. That's high-intensity interval training. That's where you, uh, instead of going at a steady state, say on walking or biking, you go hard for, say, 30 seconds, then easier, then hard, then easier. And research shows, um, as many of your listeners, I'm sure, know, is that HIT training, high-intensity interval training, can be just as effective, if not more effective, uh, with regard to cardiovascular and other benefits than conventional aerobic activity. So again, this is a great way to save time. You can get more benefits and just about anybody can incorporate this. You don't have to be a high level athlete. It doesn't mean you have to run. If, if you walk, you simply walk at a faster pace for say 15 or 20 or 30 seconds, and then go at a more moderate pace. So whatever activity you do, you simply do it with more intensity for a short, for a short time. And that's how you can incorporate hit whatever your uh, level happens to be. We incorporate conventional cardio for one day. Um, we have uh, what's called hit plyometric exercises. Those are uh, jumping exercises that are done in a high intensity interval fashion. And then we have one day where you pick your own activity. And this is an important, a crucial part of this is because, you know, you're not going to stick with exercise if you don't do things you uh, enjoy, or at least you do things you don't hate, right? So it's important mm -hmm. to do things that you're going to enjoy. And so there's so many different ways to move your body. And so we have a day that it's important where you just pick what you do. The same goes for the for the hit day to pick the activity that you enjoy and for cardio. So there's a lot of choice built into this, tailoring what activities you like to do. And I think that the other important, important point I'd make here is it's also it's varied. So you notice every day of the week, there's something different because uh, number one, if you do the same thing day after day after day, you, you have a greater risk of injury, overuse injury, and it's important to mix things up. And second, it just reduces boredom so that often, you know, we, you do the same thing every day, you get sick of your workout, you get bored, you're more likely to stop. So if there's something different every day, that's crucial as well to keep you motivated and keep it, keep it interesting. Yeah. Well, you have two different resistant training exercises. Um, I mean, up for each level in the book. So as you go through on day one, you'll do workout A. I don't think you called it workout A, but you'll do the first one. And then on your next uh, resistance day training, you'll do the next one. And, uh, you know, if you get through that and you're doing that, it's like, then your step up would be potentially doing a, another level of circuit. So you did one and now you're worked up to where you can doing two and then maybe to three. Um, by the time you can do three of these, now you're ready to potentially move up to the advanced on some or more of these exercises. Um, and so it, it does provide quite a bit of variety, uh, with, with regards to the training. And then, yeah, the, the kind of the add in there of, um, kind of doing things you enjoy. So if you're, you like playing tennis, uh, you know, your, 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 your standard day of, of doing what you want to do can be, uh, go play some tennis, enjoy yourself. Uh, so I like that. I like the way you put that all together. Well, thank you. And it's, it's a testament to, to my co-author, Brad Kolowich, who's a, a personal trainer, um, who I worked with to come up with the plans. And again, it was very important for reasons you say is to make them so that people start at basic exercises at the beginner level. And then we move to more compound movements as you get to the advanced levels. And people, again, as you say, can move um, once they're ready, they've been able to do three sets to move to the next level. Yeah. And, and this, you know, like I said, the, doing the workouts in the book, the way you presented them, uh, you guys did a great job with that. I've seen a lot of them and uh, this was among the best. Um, and they're, they're, they're pretty standard full body things. So these are not going to be confusing. You don't have to have a ton of equipment. In most cases, I think the, the only piece of equipment, only two pieces of equipment I'd say besides shoes that you'd really need would be a set of dumbbells and a varying degrees based on how strong you are and a yoga mat. So you can get on the floor comfortably and, and I guess a bench or a, a sturdy couch. 
Yeah. And I think that's a key point, Alan, because, you know, so many people, I mean, I like going to gyms. I didn't always like going to gyms. I was intimidated by gyms when I started. And so many people don't like gyms or it's inconvenient to go to a gym. And I think the key here is that uh, any workout program you do needs to be convenient, right? So if you don't like gyms, if you can't go to the gym, if it's not convenient to be able to do this at home. And so this is designed where you can do it at a gym, but if you don't want to go to a gym, that's fine. You can do this at home. And I think that's, again, another crucial element of any kind of successful workout plan is it's something that's convenient for you and it works with your preferences. Dr. Davis, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Well, I like, I'm going to quote the late, great uh, Jack LaLanne, who said that when it comes to um, wellness, exercise is king, nutrition is queen, put them together and you have a kingdom. And so those are two elements I think that th there's pretty self-evident, but in, in my worldview, they're both crucial. So first of all, we've been talking about movement, all the reasons that incorporating movement into your life is so important for wellness. Second is nutrition, um, eating a healthful diet, the ways we've talked about focusing on a whole foods diet. Um, and and uh, that's, again, also imperative when it comes to uh, living a healthful life. So what you put into your body, how you move your body, the foods you put into your body. And third, I would say for me, at least would be sleep, getting adequate sleep. That's just something that so many of us are, are, don't do. Uh, we have busy lives. We're up late scrolling through Facebook, whatever, and uh, at late at night and don't get enough sleep. And I think it's so important to prioritize sleep. It has so many benefits um, with regard to our health, with regard to um, our risk of disease with regard to how we feel with our ability to exercise and to do other things to make healthy food choices. So, so really all these things work together. And I think to incorporate, um, make sure that we uh, try to get enough sleep is another crucial element of a healthy uh, lifestyle. Great. Um, if someone would learn more about you, uh, learn more about the book, Fitter Faster, where would you like for me to send them? So they can go to my website, healthyskeptic.com, and learn more about this book as well as my other books. There are links there to Amazon to purchase the books. Um, they can also, and there, by the way, I have short videos I've created about fitness and nutrition and other wellness topics that, that take on various claims and look at the science, show what's true and what's not. And then they can also go follow me on social media. I'm on, uh, uh, I'm on Instagram at healthyskept, and I'm also on uh, Facebook at Robert Davis Healthy Skeptic. Great. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 535, and I'll be sure to have the links there. Dr. Davis, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you, Alan. Fun to talk to you again. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. It was really nice to hear from Dr. Davis again and Fitter Faster. Sounds like he's got a really interesting book uh, available now. Yeah, the, the book, it, you know, it's interesting because we did Supersize Lies and mm -hmm. that was about weight loss. And then he redid his Fitter Faster book, which I think the last time he had done it was like 2017. So it's about five years old. So he added, mm -hmm. he did add some science and stuff to it. I didn't cool. cover the book back then, but um, if you're looking at the book though, if you're looking at buying the book and you say, oh, it's got an audio book, just beware and beware when you're buying it. The Sometimes Amazon will do this. They will show the old book and the new book, oh. but you got to be careful. He has not done the audio book for 
the new book yet. So okay. the audio book will be the old version and some of the paperbacks and hardbacks that might be out there might be the old version. So pay attention to the copyright date tw- to 2022. Okay. It's 2022 already. Good um, point. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so pay, pay attention to that date if you want the most updated book. Mm-hmm. And so to taking together that book and his supersized lives book, Fitter Faster and his supersized lives book really do give you a good solid basis for understanding how to get into this stuff, how to do things right, and why some of the uh, traditional approaches, the bro science, the <laughs> hearing and this, this, this fad diet, that fad, why all those things aren't going to work for you. So you don't mm-hmm. waste your time doing it. So it's, those are, they're both really good entry-level books for you to kind of mm-hmm. understand these things. Uh, if you're looking for something that'll let you dive a little deeper into the geek, uh, but in a good readable way. Great. Yeah. Well, why don't we get started with, um, with his exercise, uh, his, uh, exercise schedule he has in his book. Yeah. The programs are really good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not sure that an advanced, a true advanced lifter. Now, again, I'm, I look at advanced maybe a little differently than he does, which is fair. Mm-hmm. We can all look at them the way we want to. For me, uh, a beginner lifter is probably for about the first, uh, six to eight months that you're lifting, you're really getting used to learning how to do the exercises. You're using very lightweight or body weight, uh, it is stuff you can easily do at home uh, as you start getting further along. So after about six to eight months, if you're starting to really get stronger, starting to figure some things out, you're mm-hmm. going, you're going to want some variety in there. You're going to want to mix yeah. things up a little bit. Uh, this is about the time that people even consider things like splits, you know, so you're going to do certain body parts one day and there, so mm-hmm. you're actually allowing yourself to lift more often, uh, than the traditional workout, take two days off workout. Now you're working a body part the next day, working the body part the next day, working a body part. And so as you go through, you don't really even have to take a day off if you didn't want to, um, mm-hmm. his program blends in both the lifting and the cardiovascular fitness things. So you are doing some hit training, some longer cardio, some fun days, uh, your two lifting days and then off day. Uh, but you know, as you get into more in- intermediate, you're probably going to have to make some choices. Okay. If I'm going to do the hit, I might have to do my hit training on the same day I do my lifting. If I'm mm. going to do a split, cause I'm going to lift instead of two days a week, I'm going to lift five days a week and kind of see how you're probably going to have to double up if you really want to get all that volume in mm-hmm. and then advanced, um, you know, his advanced, my advance would be if you've been lifting for over two years, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the form, you know, how it yeah. feels, you, you, your brain knows how to talk to your muscles. Everything's there <laughs> at this point. It's really about fine tuning. Uh, it's about making decisions on whether you're truly in this just to build more muscle, to really get stronger. Uh, if you're going to you know, compete or do things like that, you know, mm-hmm. as an advanced lifter, it's really at this point, it's just really about kind of uh, polishing it, you know, getting, getting your life, getting your fitness where you really want it to be at points in time, maybe a little bit further. So you're, you've got, you've challenged yourself to do something a little different. Like maybe you want to get your, uh, physique to a per- certain level, or you want to get your strength level to a certain thing. Right. As I said, competitions are just saying, I want to PR on the deadlift. 
you know, those are things that an advanced lifter uh, is going to be looking at is, okay, can I get, can I do the main three lifts? So bench press, squat, and deadlift. Can I, can I top a thousand pounds? Can I top 1500 pounds? Can I top 2000 pounds? And I know that sounds like a lot of weight, uh, Mm -hmm. but your advanced lifters and that people that are really good at the lifting, those are, those are doable things. Those are possible things. Even in your forties and fifties and sixties, there are people that do those three lifts and get over a thousand pounds. I think if somebody loves the gym that much and loves body weight um, training that much, I can see that type of a goal, but for most people, most yeah, of the no, no, there's that- a, yeah, there's a line and you just say, okay, so I want a certain level of fitness and yeah. I'm going to just stick there. And that's, that's mm-hmm. cool too. Um, you know, the core of it is though, as you, as you go through this, you, you're, you're going to have some trade-offs. You're going to have some trade-offs to say, do I, do I get a gym membership and what are the benefits of that? And, or do I do this mm-hmm. at home? And I can just say, if you start out and you buy a couple of dumbbells, a few sets of dumbbells, and that's working for you, or maybe the adjustable dumbbells, which take you from five to 55 pounds, or, you know, I think the last time I priced them like three, 400 bucks, mm-hmm. um, you get a whole basic set up to 55 pounds. That's, that's cost effective. Uh, they're kind of bulky, um, particularly when you're starting to do low weights, um, seems kind of odd to have this big bulky thing for five pounds, but <laughs> it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be a point where you have to just make some decisions of, am I going to have all these dumbbells sitting around my, my uh, apartment or my house? And right. you know, do I go ahead and buy a rack and, and the bars and all that? And, and people do. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 what I've found is the people who make the investment and the, particularly the, that investment in the equipment, mm-hmm. they get into it. You know, the ones that yeah. are, that didn't do it initially, like, don't go out and don't, don't go out and buy a rack and all this weights. If you're not lifting yet, uh, right. try the dumbbells, do his easy beginner level stuff, get yourself into it. And at some point you'll be like, yes, this, this is my thing. This is it. Mm-hmm. And now I want the rack and I want the bar and I want the lap pull down. And I, I mm-hmm. want this special attachment, you know, uh, then that's when you make those kind of choices yeah. uh, for your equipment, but don't just run out and buy all this equipment or see, okay, Ooh, someone's selling this on Craigslist. I'm just going to sure. go buy all this stuff and fill my garage with it. Um, if you're never going to use it. So right. get yourself started. And it's a key we've talked about over and over. Get started. Yep. Got to start somewhere. And if you did have a gym membership or if you've decided to get one, you can spend some time in the gym and see what types of activities that you like. Gyms often have trainers. They can help you. They often offer classes. I mean, if you try something new, you know, take advantage of those types of amenities. You'll never know what kind of, maybe you'll like a spin class or a yoga class or Tai Chi or some such thing. And, and as well as spend some time on the weights, just see what you gravitate to and and then maybe make a bigger investment if you decided to bring that type of stuff home. Yeah. And that, and that was his thing was, you know, you, you're going to have, you're going to have some fun days, you know, you're, you're, cause it's a, it's a six day a week program that he's basically got set up for you and it's mm-hmm. balanced. It's, it's balanced across all the fitness. That's again, why I really like it. And I think they did a really good job with their workouts. Uh, there's cool. a fun day in there. So maybe you go down to the gym and, and like you said, there's a class, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, water aerobics, Tai Chi, uh, racquetball, mm-hmm. you know, something, sure. and you get out there and you start playing around and you start having fun. Um, and that makes you want to maybe build up your speed and agility more, maybe build up your strength a little bit more or, mm-hmm. um, you know, any of it. So the point being is, uh, you know, there's opportunities out there and gym memberships 
they can be expensive or they can be really, really inexpensive. Some, um, yeah. Buying equipment can be inexpensive or can be really, really expensive. Uh, you're going to have to make the choice, but, but mm-hmm. do it on the knowledge that you are committed doing this, not just, mm-hmm. okay, I need the equipment and therefore I will lift. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Save your money. Lift first. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very expensive coat rack is what it yeah. is. Oh gosh. I hate that. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, is the trickle down effect that exercise offers. You know, a lot of our clients come to us asking uh, to lose weight and to um, have us help exercise them to weight loss. But but it's not necessarily the order that it goes in. I think we need to still continue to look in our kitchen first when it comes to weight loss goals. Yeah, you know, that you're absolutely right. People come to us and they say, okay, I want to lose, what's your health and fitness goal? I want to lose 20 pounds. I need to lose 20 right. pounds. I'm like, okay, well, personally, the way I think in my head, I'm, I don't say it out loud because I'm, I'm, I try to be a nice person. <laughs> uh, but the internal part of me, my brain says, well, that's not the question I asked you. But okay, so you want to lose some weight. What are you eating? So then, and now, where have I done? I'm going to go right back to what's what's actually the cause and effect here. What? But what I will say that it's it's probably where I disagree just a little bit uh, with Dr. Davis on this is what I have found though is people who exercise mm-hmm. do lose weight faster, mm-hmm. easier, mm-hmm. Um, and more consistently than people who don't, but it's not because of the exercise, which is kind of weird, right? Say, okay, so if they're doing it and it's not the cause, what is the cause? Mm -hmm. And the cause is once you start doing one thing, that's a healthy lifestyle choice, it becomes normal for you to do other things that are a, a healthy life choice. So someone doesn't, you know, it's not that someone becomes a vegan and they become a runner because they were a vegan. But what happens mm-hmm. that the vegan decides, okay, I'm a vegan and I need to do some exercise because I'm seeing some good health benefits from being vegan. And uh, then they start running and they enjoy the running and they join a run club. And now they're really mm-hmm. good running, and they're losing weight and they're vegan and it works. It works for them, yeah. you know, but it doesn't mean that being vegan makes you a runner. It doesn't right. cause you to run and, 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 you know, but being vegan, if it's making you make the right lifestyle choices, other healthy lifestyle choices happen. You, maybe mm-hmm. you drink less. And that's why a lot of these studies, you have to take them with a grain of salt because they'll say the people, vegan, vegetarians and vegans have lower this than meat eaters that eat processed meats and meats. Well, if someone's eating just meat and processed meat, and it was just a questionnaire, how much meat do you eat in a week? Because that's how they do it. And they say, how much meat do you eat in a week? I'm like, mm-hmm. let's see, I have a meat with just about every single meal. So mm-hmm. that's going to be 21 servings or more. And so I fall into that eats a lot of meat category. But a lot of people who are in these categories that they, they go through, well, they're not thinking about food. It's like, well, I had to actually do that calculation of I eat meat every meal. Therefore, I eat this many servings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they fill out the questionnaire. Whereas a vegetarian is making a healthful decision about, or maybe they're doing it somewhat for, uh, you know, social reasons, but it, sure. at least at that point, they equate it with a healthy lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. So if someone's making one healthy lifestyle choice, they're very likely making others. Mm-hmm. And therefore they're healthier, yeah. not necessarily because they're vegetarian or vegan. 
Right. They just because they've started down a path of better choices, they make better mm-hmm. choices. They're also probably less likely to drink as much alcohol and they're less likely to smoke <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're more likely to exercise. You know, that mm-hmm. for, from a normal standard perspective, that's what you get. Whereas if they'd said, How much grass fed meat do you eat in a week? Mm-hmm. Amongst the meat eaters, if they had segmented mm-hmm. and said, How much? processed meat do you eat within a week? And then they took those and segmented them. They would probably find a very similar cut around is the people who don't think about the quality of their meat. They don't think about the difference between processed and unprocessed stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. They're making different healthy lifestyle choices. And the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm investing in grass-fed meat means that health and fitness is a little bit more important to me. Sure. And so therefore I'm going to make other healthy lifestyle choices. It's not a cause and effect. It's just a commonality because of what happens. But mm-hmm. to go back to the thing is, so exercise won't help you lose weight, but it will help you lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel as well. I think, I think a healthy diet and exercise goes hand in hand to make you an overall healthier person and give you a higher quality of life. And just in my own example, as a runner, I've been running for almost 24, 25 years now, and I sweat a lot. So I drink a lot of water. It's just a causality for that situation. I know that I can have a beer and I love a good beer every now and then, but not on the night before an important run, like my St. Louis marathon, (laughs) I choose my meals very carefully while I might enjoy um, a little bit of cake and ice cream at a birthday party or celebration. It's not part of my daily lifestyle because I know I need to run well the next day. So, you know, once you pick up a healthy habit, you're right. It leads to other healthy habits and then you feel better at the end of the day. Yeah. So now if you came to me and told me you really want me to exercise you and help you lose weight, (laughs) I would do it. I would do it. You know, and here's Uh how I would do it. I would say, okay, show up tomorrow. We step on the scale and then I run your butt. I literally Mm -hmm. just run you ragged in here for an hour And then I say, okay, you're coming back in two days. And if you weigh more than you did today, I'm going to work you harder. Mm, That sounds scary. Okay, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And not very fun at that. Right, not fun at all. Not fun at all. It's not Mm -hmm. an exercise program that you want. It's not a hamster wheel that you want to start. Mm -hmm. Because the workouts, if if you're not losing weight, the workouts have to get harder. Um, And guess what? We're not getting younger, so they don't get easier. Um, (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So maybe when you were in your 20s, you could exercise off a few pounds, get out there and do a few days of running, push yourself a little bit, um, you know, make a couple other probably healthier lifestyle choices, and you you drop a few pounds, drop a dress Mm -hmm. size. That was easy in your 20s. It's not when we get over 40, Um, particularly for women as they get closer to menopause and into perimenopause and menopause. It's not easy at all. Right. So, you know, just recognizing we have less muscle mass, we have less energy, we have less capacity, um, less resilience. Um, so for us, it has to start in the kitchen mm-hmm. and then a whole lot of other healthy lifestyle choices support that, that process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, great discussion with Dr. Davis. It's always nice to hear from him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's really good. I, I really appreciate that his two books even though they're not like part of a series, like a lot of authors will write a book and then they'll know, okay, the next book in the series is this book. And then they fit together. Um, these weren't written that way or even planned that way, but they really do complement each other. 
Great. They sound like great things to have on my bookshelf. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your uh, good weather for the next what week or so. Yes. And, <laughs> and then winter Fingers will crossed. be here before you, or summer will be here and <laughs> yes. then it'll be hot as heck. Well, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we got our, we got our, our three days of rain. So I'm hopeful that we'll get a couple it's, it's today is dry. Today is no rain. It's, it's clear skies. Good. Um, so it's evaporation. So we're at about a hundred, 115% humidity, I, I guess. Huh. But, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I can, oh I can God. literally walk on the air. Uh, it's <laughs> that humid, but, uh, <laughs> oh gosh. but, uh, yeah, so we'll have a few days of these, this humid, then the mosquitoes will come out and then, um, oh. we'll, we'll probably be fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, good luck to you, Alan. Yeah, you too. I'll talk Thanks. soon. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Morgan Levine and discuss her book, True Age, cutting-edge research to help turn back the clock. Until then, have a happy and healthy week. 